Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Pam Christian, your host for this program, known as Faith to Live By. Each week, I endeavor to help us best discern the times and what God is doing, so we can partner with Him to see His will done on earth as it is in heaven. What I want to highlight today is the need for our active participation in God's plans and strategies for us to overcome the darkness. People are starved for truth and want to know what and who they can trust. We need to intentionally use these dark days as days of preparation to become instruments of God through whom He will work to answer our prayers. While it's true, God can zap anything into existence anytime He wants. Most of the time, He works through His people. So if we want to see God intervene in our behalf, we must seek Him for our place in His plan. Amen? Considering the days, weeks, and months we have been enduring, not only as a nation, but around the world, I'm especially excited about today's program. Every week, I seek the Lord and study hard. I listen to well-respected Christian leaders, I study scriptures, and all with a heart of urgency, wanting very much to help you, so together we can better align ourselves with God's will and experience the victory in our lives that Christ died to give us. Today, I bring truly life-changing revelation. Not that it's brand new because scriptures are clear, there's nothing new under the sun, but it is novel in that it's a revelation about our mindsets that have limited God's work in our behalf. As a result, we have not been enjoying the benefits of being a child of God that he wants us to enjoy. As sons and daughters of God, we have many benefits God longs to have us bask in that we have yet to embrace or experience. Today, if you're willing to carefully listen, and examine your own heart, soul, and mind, you can step into this revelation and experience the joy of the Lord and the victory in life you long for. Last week, we considered deception of unbelievers and how the enemy is exceedingly crafty to keep people in the dark. What they think is good and true is in reality wicked and entirely based on lies. We are living in the days where everything that is right is being called wrong and everything that is wrong is being called right. Well, these days were foretold in Scripture, so we shouldn't be surprised, but we do need to learn how to operate in the light of truth, especially in these dark days. Globally, we've suffered under COVID-19 and all the ravages and losses that has come with it. We have suffered serious oppressive governments operating for the benefit of the self-appointed elite. We've seen the most oppressive and evil operations through governments and media especially. But we must understand Even in the darkest of days, God is still on the throne and in command of all the events of the world and the affairs of humanity. He always has been, and he always will be. We need to see through the dark days we're living in, so let's put on our night vision goggles, which is really to view things from the light of truth. Whether you've realized it or not, these dark days have been a time of God testing us, all of us, those who belong to him and those who don't. We are being measured weighed and separated into our respective roles in God's kingdom plans to display his power and justice, to avenge the suffering caused by the wicked, or to be counted among the enemy's cohorts. God is most assuredly wielding justice in this year of 2021, and with it comes either punishment or reward. Last week, I said I'd bring you some practical ways we can use this time of darkness to become fully prepared to walk in the light. And believe me, Because God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. The light is coming. 
If you or anyone you know is especially discouraged at events on the world stage right now, make certain to listen to this podcast even more than once if you need to. I'm really excited and I believe this is going to bless you. So to start with, let's understand that we, even as believers, can easily be deceived. Consider how Adam and Eve were deceived in their perfect state. The enemy of God enticed them to reject God in preference for what they thought was their own way and will, which in reality was the way and the will of the devil. Well, if Adam and Eve could be deceived in their perfect state before sin ever entered the world, how much more susceptible are we in the days we live? Sadly, we see prominent Christian leaders retracting prophetic words they've given, while other Christian leaders shame and scorn prophets for delivering what they claim are false prophecies because things didn't turn out as they had expected. Well, hello? How many people didn't receive Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah because he didn't accomplish what they expected? At a time when we need to be pulling together in unity, the enemy has clearly infiltrated the church and is instigating division, bringing great damage to the flock. Many of God's people are heaping shame and discouragement upon the flock, claiming if we had enough faith, if we had prayed more, if we had repented better, if we had just fill in the blank, we would have experienced God's intervention in our behalf. People who have entertained such thoughts are now actually resigned to the way things are, giving up and giving in to the continued advancement of evil and wickedness. Well, where in Scripture, where in the instruction of Jesus, have you ever learned God's people are to give up, give in, and resign ourselves to evil? Christians who find themselves in this mindset have sadly been deceived. I believe with all my heart what we've endured since early 2020 has been God's intended challenge to get His people to realize our stupor, the lies of the enemy, even the spells cast by witches which have wrongly influenced us. Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer recently explained that he believes we are being set up for a liberation transformation, and I couldn't agree more. What do we as Christians need to be liberated from? A wrong mindset that has prevented us from experiencing the fullness of blessings that we are entitled to as sons and daughters of God. The enemy of God certainly doesn't want us to operate in the fullness of our inheritance, authority, and power, because that would push him and his plans way back. But isn't pushing the enemy's plans way back precisely what we want to see? As I've said before, many people ask, where is God in all this? And I believe God is asking, where are my people in all of this? I'm grateful for Johnny Inlow, who addressed this recently because he put into words what I've wanted to explain. So here goes. You ready? I'm about to show you the very simple error of our thinking that has been preventing us from all the victory and joy and deliverance God wants us to experience. Christians who believe God has not acted in our behalf because we have not prayed enough, have not fasted enough, have not repented enough, and as I said earlier, have not fill in the blank enough, maintain a mindset of a works mentality and also a wrong understanding about God and his character. This works mentality is actually evidence of an orphan spirit, a mindset of an orphan. To overcome the deception of the orphan mentality requires us to focus on the truth that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are not orphans. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All of his authority, power, riches, abilities, and more are ours now, not in the future, but now. With a proper mindset, with a proper belief in God, instead of our works 
mentality, we will experience all the riches of our inheritance, which includes victory over this present darkness. As joint heirs, we receive from God simply on the basis that we belong. We are sons and daughters of God. Everything that Christ experienced in his human life is available to us in our human life. Think about it. These days of darkness have most assuredly been a time of preparation of God's people for the miraculous works God has ordained to perform. There is nothing we can do or believe that will alter God's timeline. God's specific events determined on his timeline will take place as he has planned. God's predetermined events on his timeline are ever and only for our good and always for his glory, and they never depend upon our involvement. For example, prophetic events God has planned, such as Christ's second coming, will occur regardless of what we believe or what we do. At the same time, there are some prophecies that are conditional upon the response of God's people. Our personal salvation is one example. We need to believe and receive to benefit from the prophetic promise of salvation. But God initiates and we respond. We receive from God according to how we respond to God. We respond to God according to what we believe about God. So, considering current events, were the prophets wrong? Was our hope in God's intervention to turn America around wrongly placed? Don't scriptures reveal God places his desires in our hearts so we will partner with him to bring them about? then wouldn't it be accurate to believe that our desire for the nations to be restored to righteousness to prevail is a desire initiated by god would god give us a desire only to frustrate us do you see how beneficial it is for us to take time to examine what we believe and to find out if we are believing anything that's actually limiting god working in our behalf were the prophets wrong or were god's people believing in a manner that needs to be corrected what if we are in these dark days by God's design and he intends to allow, number one, the fullness of iniquity by those who belong to the devil? Number two, additional time for those who will repent to choose to do so. Three, opportunity for God's people to correctly realign their hearts and minds with him. Unbelief is a mindset that prevents us from receiving all God has for us. Those who have recanted the prophetic hope God revealed do so on the basis of probability. They weigh all the known circumstances, and if they see no probability, they give up on God and turn on their brothers and sisters. Listen, if we as humans configure the probability of a matter, then we are not believing for God's miraculous intervention. When we configure the probability for a matter to be restored and praying for God to act, we are in reality believing in our perceived solutions, not in God. When we believe a matter should be resolved a particular way and it doesn't happen, how is it people then blame God or one another? Isn't it really a matter of our own faulty belief system? If we can see how God might intervene in our behalf through the courts, through the vice president, through military intervention? Would it really be God's intervention or a natural progression of logical human events? If God had given us the election on November 3rd, November 6th, January 20th, he would be reinforcing a wrong mindset that his children have and we have largely operated under for many decades. Now, please let me explain. We need to believe from the knowledge that motivated by unfathomable love, Christ died for us so we can become joint heirs with him as a son or daughter of God. 
with God personally demonstrating his love for us through death by crucifixion, can we really believe he will fail us now? If we know we belong to God through faith in Christ, then we have no room to operate from an orphan mindset. And should we find we have been operating from an orphan mindset or a works mentality, we need to immediately confess it and go to the Lord, ask to be healed and brought into a proper mindset of belief. If we are double-minded, we should not expect we will receive anything. James 1.8 Please think about it. Examine yourself. I've been examining myself. We need to ask ourselves, do we have a victim-orphan mentality or the mentality and the belief of being a joint heir with Christ? Let me stay with the subject of unbelief for just a little bit more. We read in scriptures that there were occasions where Christ himself did not perform miracles because of the level of unbelief among the people. Unbelief is a serious, limiting mindset. Consider Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. What does Jesus say to the disciples about their inability to deliver a boy from a demon? In Matthew 17, 17, Jesus says, quote, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Then, in verse 20, Jesus explains that the disciples were unable to deliver the boy from the demon because of their little faith, their unbelief. He specifically said, quote, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. End quote. And by the way, that's in the English Standard Version, and there's a footnote in the ESV that indicates some manuscripts insert the words, quote, This kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. End quote. So we have to question why is that inserted in some manuscripts, but not all. Clearly, Jesus revealed to his disciples that their weak faith, or their unbelief, was the reason they could not deliver the boy from the demon. So if the words, quote, this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting belong in that passage, Jesus would be stating, this kind of unbelief does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Weak faith, or unbelief, was the topic. That's what Jesus was addressing in answer to their question, why they were unable to cast the demon out from the boy. I know many have been taught that the passage means to deliver the boy from the demon required prayer and fasting. They read it to say, this kind of demon does not come out except by prayer and fasting. But let's reconsider this. There are numerous examples of demon deliveries where there is no indication of any prayer and fasting taking place in order to deliver the demon out. I firmly believe what we should understand is that if we, as Jesus' disciples, would spend more time in advance in prayer and fasting, our faith would be strengthened and unbelief would be defeated, and with that kind of faith, we can deliver demons and move mountains at any moment. Consider also the passage in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29, which could be another account of the same incident. Verse 29 in the ESV reads, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. With a footnote, some manuscripts add, and fasting. Again, in context, what we should understand is Jesus rebukes his disciples for their unbelief as the cause for their inability to deliver the demon from the boy. Unbelief is a highly limiting mindset which will prevent God's people from seeing him fully work on their behalf. When the prophecies about Donald Trump serving a second term were not realized by January 20th, does that mean the prophets were wrong? Did any of the prophets give a date 
when Trump would enter his second term. In order for him to serve a second term, he would have to have won the election. Did Donald Trump win the election? Was there excessive election fraud that stole the election from Trump? If there was election fraud, couldn't other candidates from state and local government positions also have been declared winners when they in fact weren't? Oh, I know, mainstream media has repeatedly reported there is no evidence of fraud, and they cite the courts that refused to hear the cases late last year as supporting events. But in actuality, several courts are hearing the evidence to determine if indeed Donald Trump won the election. Gateway Pundit and Epoch Times both reported that Sidney Powell's Michigan case, Lynn Wood's Georgia case, and Mike Kelly's Pennsylvania lawsuit are scheduled for a February 19, 2021 conference before the Supreme Court. I'll have a link to these articles in the show notes if you haven't seen them. I'm saddened at the number of Christian leaders who prophesied Trump would serve two terms who have recanted. When a leader who represents him or herself as a prophet retracts what they have spoken as a prophetic word, they encourage unbelief in the flock, leaving Christians to wonder if that prophetic word was wrong, what else should we not believe? When a so-called prophet recants a prophetic word they gave, only one of two motives is behind it. Either one, they were not confident they heard God when they spoke the prophetic word, or two, they fear the opinions of man more than the opinion of God concerning them. Either way, this reveals the so-called prophet is not a genuine prophet who faithfully serves God and his people. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 states, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. This statement means there are genuine prophets whom God addresses for the purpose of all of his people to move with God to accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of discounting our brothers and sisters over any claimed prophecy that hasn't materialized the way we expected, we should be thanking God for giving us prophets and seek him for us to become united and discerning in Christ. The Apostle Paul made it clear when there's prophecy in the church, it should be given by one, maybe two, and then the others in the church are to discern the word. When each of us hear what is claimed to be a prophetic word, it is our responsibility to go before the Lord to determine if it's of the Lord or not. I believe God is allowing all this confusion to reveal to us all the places where corruption exists. God is forcing the world to search for truth because we desperately need to be set free from the deceptions that have caused rampant unbelief in many people worldwide. I don't yet see evidence that these prophetic claims were wrong. I only see they were not realized on the timeline we'd hoped for. Time will tell. But in the meantime, we as Christians are to continue to be co-laborers with Christ to accomplish God's will on earth as it is in heaven. We are not to be passive observers of the work God does, but active participants in his plans and strategies. God's plans and strategies do not include us sitting back, watching, and accepting the advancement of evil. God's plans are for his people on this earth to partner with him to see his will done. Consider, God didn't just give the promised land to the Israelites. He had them follow his instructions to take it from the wicked people in the land. In this way, God's people not only attained the promise, but were instruments of God's justice. When did God have his people take the land he promised them? When the fullness of the iniquities of the Amorites was revealed. Genesis 15:16. Who were the Amorites? 
Well, they were the descendants of Canaan. We read that in Genesis 14:7, and the last remnants of the giants of old. Almost all the local kings in Babylonia belonged to the Amorites. The term Amorites actually encompasses the seven people groups known as the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites. But they're all Amorites. We learn from the Bible that God was aware of the evil and wickedness in the hearts of these people, and his plan was to allow their iniquities to reach a point where they no longer had any opportunity for redemption. At that point, through Joshua leading the Israelites, God passed judgment against the evil people and displaced them with his people taking over the land, the land God had promised to the Israelites. Do you see any parallelism in God's people taking over the promised land to the days we are living in? I most assuredly do. God has been aware of the gross and evil corruption in our world. He has allowed it to increase and has recently been exposing the depths of evil so that when he acts in judgment against evil, all the righteous will rejoice. Proverbs 29.2 reads, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn. What have we been seeing? The exposure of corruption on a worldwide scale, which has not been reported by mainstream media, because media is part of the corruption and they want to continue in their ways. They don't want God's people to raise up against them, which is why there has been so much censorship and effort to prevent Christians from voicing their points of view or even gathering to worship their God. Clearly, we are caught in a battle of the enemy, Satan, who is attempting to thwart God's plans for the good of his people. The enemy has several humans through whom he is working to advance his evil plans. Well, God wants all of his people to be influenced by him to advance his righteous plans. While those who work to promote a one-world order to achieve a global reset, God is conducting a global setup of his own, and we're to be part of it. The message of this podcast couldn't be released at a better time with Mike Lindell's recent video titled Absolute Proof, which documents the corruption of people around the world demonstrating the efforts they took to steal the presidential election of 2016. I know there are many people who are deceived about the realities of the election, but the truth is coming out and will indeed set God's people free. I wholly agree with Mike Lindell's evaluation of current events being a blessing from God allowing us to become aware of the depths of evil, which in turn will reveal those who side with evil and those who side with righteousness. As God allowed the inequities of the Amorites to become full before he acted, I believe we're seeing God act on behalf of his people globally in like manner. There are people in various nations around the world who are rising up against corrupt government and against the existence of corruption in every mountain of society. The church, government, media, arts slash entertainment, education, family, and business. If you have been searching for true news, then you know many of the tech giants and others are resigning in large numbers. Additional truth about these large-scale resignations will become available soon. But as God's people, we need to be fully prepared to step into these vacancies or start business endeavors of our own or step into various roles in the seven mountains so the righteous rule and the people rejoice. I especially liked what Sylvia Nusch wrote about God's people being tools of God's righteous judgment. Quote, It is our privilege and honor to execute the justice of God and vengeance on his enemies. He has gloriously positioned us for such a time as this. Now many, his warriors, arise with the courage of Caleb and Joshua, the devout humility and bravery of Esther, the worshiping heart of David, and the wisdom and justice of Deborah. 
Then she quotes Psalm 149, verses 5 to 9. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. I encourage you to read the whole article, so I'll have a link in the show notes. I realize some may be opposed to the thought that God's people are to be physically engaged as instruments of justice against evil in this present day, and they may discount the Psalm 149 verses 4 to 9 passage because it's of the Old Testament. They will instead cite Ephesians 6.12, which says that our battles are not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and rulers in high places. And in response to that New Testament passage, they believe our only battles should be that of prayer warfare. Well. I asked them to consider how has that prayer warfare only worked for the world so far. I believe the prayer warfare only mindset is what has allowed evil and wickedness to increase to the point it is today. When God's people rise up and seek first God through prayer and learn of his plan and strategies and then take their rightful place in his plan in the battle by putting their feet to their prayers, and applying any and all the gifts and talents they have to overcome evil with good, then we will see the righteous rule and the people rejoice. What can you do? Plenty. Seek the Lord, then search for ways to apply your gifts and talents anywhere within any of the seven mountains of society. We will need God's people positioned on every mountain of society, church, family, government, business, media, arts entertainment, and education. Which of these mountains appeal to you? What desires has God already put in your heart? Where can you apply yourself to see your desires realized? What gifts, talents, resources, and people has God already put in your life to give you clues of your role in his plan? Resources include money, and God knows we need money to operate in this world. I hope to see wealthy Christians boldly step into the mountains of society and help reform our world for Christ according to God's will and plans. When it comes to our future, we need to gain God's wisdom and work in partnership with Him to fulfill His plans for us. Having a good financial plan is essential. So let me take a minute to remind you about Ed Torres, my personal financial planner, who has helped increase our investments like no one else ever has. He's my primary sponsor for this podcast, and I want you to know about him. When it comes to financial planning, one size fits all isn't a fit at all. Ask Ed Torres, a team member with the financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. Ask him about the exclusive, confident retirement approach. It's a personalized, flexible, step-by-step approach toward financial balance, so you can feel confident about the future as well as your wants and needs of today. With the confident retirement approach and a one-on-one relationship with an advisor, Edward Torres will help you live life, saving for tomorrow in a way that's right for you. It's what financial balance is all about. So call Ed today, 949-250-3210. Offices are located at 2600 Michelson Drive, Irvine, California, Suite 1460, zip code 92612. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment. You don't have to be in California to consider working with Ed. They're licensed in many states. 
So I have a link for you for his website in the show notes, and I encourage you to contact him for a free consultation. As I said, he's my financial advisor and a wonderful Christian man I highly recommend. As I said before, while God can zap anything into existence anytime he wants, he most often chooses to work directly in and through his people with a proper perspective of what God has been doing and even the smallest measure of faith we can move mountains. I encourage you to seek the Lord in all earnest to learn what He wants you to do to accomplish His will in and through you personally. To help us have a right belief system, let's consider that God is allowing the continued exposure of corruption for His divine purposes, which could include, number one, to reveal to us what we have permitted to exist and grow. We have Christ's authority and power to restrict evil. Number two, to reveal to us the depth of depravity in our midst. We who do not entertain evil are unaware of its depth and unimaginable operations, so he has to show us. Number three, to expose the enemy and his plans and reveal those humans who have been cooperating with the devil. Four, to give opportunity for those who have been working with the devil a chance to repent. Five, to administer his justice. Six, to redeem those victimized by the devil's plan and set the captives free. Seven, to release his power and authority in our midst to overcome the ravages of evil. Eight, to bring healing and wholeness to those harmed. Nine, to call back those who belong to God who have strayed. And ten, to establish the church as a beacon of light. For these ten reasons, I close this podcast asking you to intentionally prepare and position yourself, step into the light, and make a kingdom difference with your life. Next week, I want to continue exploring the importance of our remaining focus on who we are in Christ to establish and guard our belief system to wield the power and authority God wants us to as partners with Him for His will to be done on earth. If you've liked what you've heard today, let's connect beyond this podcast. Consider becoming a subscriber to my bi-monthly e-newsletter, which will also make you a preferred member where you will receive special announcements and offers not available to others. With so much going on every day, let's also connect on Facebook at Faith to Live by TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Also, be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there is a link and more information about my sponsors and partners. Again, if you've been blessed by my ministry, purchasing the goods and services I bring to you is how you can support me, which would be greatly appreciated. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. Your review helps the show reach more people, spread the gospel, and helps people learn how to better apply their Christian faith. Also, depending on the platform where you listen, why not subscribe to this podcast so you are sure not to miss a single edition? And lastly, visit my page for this show at faithtoliveby.com where you can learn about and take advantage of the special offers available to my listeners from my sponsors and partners. Faith to Live By is a business owned and operated by Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By where we can learn together how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him. 